past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Hello and welcome to The Career Confidant. We're glad to have you here today. And you are going to be glad that you joined us because we have a great guest, Nikki Ryberg, who is a career coach and resume writer that helps clients all over the U.S. and Canada. And in 15 years of HR, she did recruiting, hiring manager roles, leadership roles, and now she helps clients figure out what and how to make their career job search or side hustle thrive. And so, Nikki, we're so glad to have you here on the show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Marie. I'm really excited to be here today. Yeah, so as you know, here on The Career Confidant, we are big proponents of proactive career management and people kind of taking control of their own career, being able to have the skills and tools that they need to move their career forward. So thank you for joining us and sharing some of your expertise with them to help them do that. And today we're going to talk a little bit about some of the tricks that people can use in their job search. And the first one is really about how older candidates can share their accomplishments without disclosing their age. So tell us some of your tricks for helping those who might be further on in their in their work career. Yeah, this is a great question and it's one that I think a lot of job seekers struggle with. There's um, some very creative ways to do this depending on their situation. One idea is within their career highlight section at the very beginning of their resume, they can weave in some of their past history and some of their accomplishments without necessarily listing those exact positions later. Another way to do this is after their employment history, they could have an additional accomplishment section where maybe they have some bulleted or checkmarked results that speak to some of their past victories in business that maybe were 10, 20, 30 years ago where they don't necessarily have to list those positions, but yet they can still reap those rewards. A lot of the experts now really say to focus on positions or history for the past 10 years, sometimes up to 15. And so those are some really good ways to have other sections on your search materials that showcase your wins and successes without being really blatant about how old you are. And then the areas of expertise or skills sections, another really good way to showcase things that you're really strong at and that you've gained experience in over the years, especially in very specific and technical fields. And another really cool way to do this is on your LinkedIn summary. LinkedIn has a lot less it's just a lot tighter of a format to work with. Whereas on a resume, you can get pretty creative with sections and headers and things like that. So I think candidates can think about weaving that into their LinkedIn summary sometimes so that they can still reap some of those rewards without necessarily listing every single position. And then capping out numbers um, at about 10 to 15 years is another good way. And then I think one thing is having a modern but still an applicant tracking system friendly format for their resume and a matching cover letter template. 
a lot of job seekers are still working off of the resume they may have used right after high school or right after college. And maybe it's been 20, 30 years later, and they've just sort of added to it over the years, and it starts to look a little dull and outdated. So getting that freshened up can help them stand out because a lot of their competition that's maybe more familiar with some of the more modern templates that are still friendly for the various online systems you're applying to um, but still look really nice would also help them as well. I think employers are really looking for fits that can train and get up to speed quickly. So anything you're doing to help showcase this or consolidate it for them um, really helps. So the less worried they are about those things, the more interested they are in you for a potential employment fit. So I think you can help them see this by marketing yourself correctly and more effectively with using some of these tips. And then sometimes candidates have had a long gap. And so volunteer efforts can be a really good way to get some fresh content on there that's more recent. Um, So those are some of the things that I've seen some candidates do over the years. And I think that they can really stand out that way. Excellent. Yeah, then really thinking about, as you said, how much do they want to share and what's a good balance? Because the grouping of older experience can gap between, you know, if you only include 10 years of experience on your resume and you're 60, there's going to be a large gap between what people expect from you when they see you and then when they, when they do see you. So there's some ways that we can really bridge that gap and make it easier for people to know that we are more experienced, even though we're only going to detail these 10 years for them. And then one of the other things that stood out for me, as you were saying, that modern design, and a modern design doesn't have to be, you know, the two-column format, which is maybe kind of trendy, but it, it really doesn't read very well for the human or the computer. And so thinking about how you can create a little bit of color and some nice clean lines can help you look more modern without being overdone. And and as you said, those nice clean designs that are that look modern will also go through the applicant tracking system. One of the things that I see yeah. people do on their resumes, I'd like to get your feedback on, is they often lead with that line, like more than 20 years of experience. Are you a fan of that line? I'm usually not. It depends on the situation. If it's a really like an executive type of role in the job ads, pretty clear that they want some significant years of experience. I think in those cases, it can be helpful because you've earned that, like you're an expert for that reason. But then in other ways, I'm not at all because it's just really showcasing your age very quickly. A lot of times I joke with people that 15 is kind of the magic number, but I think it depends on the situation and the jobs they're applying to. What have you found with that, Marie? Yeah, I'm also not a big fan. Often in our resume writing class, we're telling our resume writers, you know, stop using that phrase. And there's really not a golden number, right? It's either that you are too little experienced or too more experienced. And when you use the number, it doesn't tell me what you've done or the value that you've added. It assumes that because you have that much experience, there's value there. And I think that's an assumption that doesn't really work today. Yes, I so agree with that. And I think when it comes to older job seekers, what they really need to do is step back and identify what their weaknesses are and determine what their competition may have. Like, for example, are they stronger 
technically? Are they more up to date on social media? Whatever some of those actual job needs are that they may be lacking, I think those are some of the things they really want to think about and utilize that into their application materials and ways to stand out. Maybe there's other things they're really strong at that they want to emphasize that the position needs. Or are there other ways they can, you know, get some recent training on some of those to still really showcase what they have to offer? Yeah. Well, and this talk about years of experience brings up another point, too, which is that people on the low end (laughs) of the age spectrum (laughs) are facing some significant challenges today, just like those in their later years. And what advice do you have for those maybe recent graduates or young professionals who feel like they're facing some barriers in getting their employment started? Such a good question. And I really feel for this demographic as well, because it can be so difficult when they want experience and yet they have the degree. One way is to list their internships. I also love using, which is great if you have them, right? But a lot of candidates don't. They may have had other jobs throughout college or they may have been so busy with school and some of the organizations they were involved in, they didn't work. So I love to use projects from courses they may have had or classes they participated in. And that's nice. But what was the result from that? So, for example, if you had this really time-consuming group project, what was the end result? What did you determine or what did you? What problem did you help solve or where did you leave things off? I think making sure you put that on the resume can make you look one step ahead of someone who just listed their degree. Um, sometimes this can be a separate section, even after their education is listed. They may have a lot of different projects depending on the university they attended and what their major was. Um, So in some cases, you have contact details, maybe a brief summary, some areas of expertise, education, and then projects. That's a really easy way to get a solid one-page resume for someone that doesn't have a lot of work experience to put on there from actual jobs or internships they didn't have. But within those different sections, they can really elaborate on the ones that are relevant to their field of interest. I think that's really the key. Um, They can also think about listing community and professional groups. There's a lot of students that had leadership roles within their fraternities or sororities or within their professional groups related to their major. And there's tons of details in terms of the activity or the different types of tasks they did within those organizations and what the results were of those. So I think that's another awesome way for those types of candidates to stand out on paper. And then... um, The key is what skills and needs and areas do your employers need? And what does the competition have that you don't? So, for example, if you were an engineering major and you know a lot of your competition may have had engineering internships, what types of things did you do in projects or did you do within your professional associations that are more related to engineering? So, for example, if you waited tables to help pay the bills through school, I think that's still great to showcase on there. You learn prioritization, upselling, some really great skills that could still be really beneficial to an engineer, but when compared to 10 candidates that had direct engineering experience, that's where you'll really want to think about, oh yeah, there was that group project we worked hours and hours on and we developed a prototype and we had great results and the professor had you know, a really good quote I could put onto my resume saying what a great job we did. Those are, I think, are some creative ways to stand out. 
um, on paper. Yeah, as you said, you're really getting focused first. What is it that you're aiming for? What skills are really important? And then digging, dig, dig, dig into those class projects, into your experiences, work experiences, volunteer experiences. It doesn't really matter where or what it was and that it wasn't paid or not. But just that idea that you're needing to demonstrate that you've used the skills that your employers are looking for. Somehow you've got to have those stories that back it up. And you can pull those from anywhere that you can find stories. So that that's a great reminder for our, our students and young professionals. Okay, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll continue to... job search. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Today, expertise equals credibility. When you know what to do and how to do it, people follow because they acknowledge that you know more. However, stepping up in your career eventually pushes you out of your comfort zone of expertise. How you lead at those moments requires new skills. We're here to show you how to survive and thrive. Join me, Wanda Wallace, on Out of the Comfort Zone at Voice America Business Channel. You can find more information at Leadership Forum INC. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Redis is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on The Voice America Business Channel. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Hello and welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we've been talking with Nikki Ryberg career coach and resume writer who was in HR and we've been talking about this ageism challenge and a lot of ways that you can address that on your resume whether you have a lot of experience and maybe need to right size it for the job that you're aiming for or you're just getting started in your career and needing to really pull in those things that can demonstrate the experience that you have. So, Nikki, any last tips that you would add for our young professionals before we move into the next topic? 
I think just if they don't have some of those things to pull from, start getting creative on some proactive ways to start earning and gaining some. I think that would be my other feedback there. Yeah, we're going to talk about that here in just a little bit. And before we move too far into that, let's talk about some of our job pivoters because they may feel like they're in the same position. Maybe they have 20 years of experience, but now they've gone back to school or they're making a fairly significant change and they're feeling like, hey, I don't have anything to share even though I've been working for 20 years because now I'm in this brand new field. What do we do for those folks that feel like they don't have a lot of experience in their newly desired field? Ooh, I always love this question. I think some of the same tips and tricks we had for the ageism, one, could be relevant. You want to make sure you are benefiting from some of your past accomplishments and wins, but more so, what can you do to stand out in your new field? So I think things you've done for training, volunteering, maybe some pro bono or temp work, what can you do to get more in terms of where you're pivoting towards. And training is a great one. If you're taking courses, let's say you wanted to switch from engineering into project management, and maybe you had a little bit of project management in your engineering role, but not a ton. I think one of the first things you can do is take some training courses on it. And I'm a big believer in being scrappy. So what can you do that's as free or economical as possible until you have to invest more money into it? But so there's so many different resources out there that you can access. And then if you take those types of courses, great. But if you don't put them on your resume, the employers don't know you're doing that. And so I love that because you don't, you have also gained the experience and some of the knowledge but it also really, really speaks to your ambition, your goals, and your motivation to succeed in that field as well. I think another great way to do that is professional societies. There is a professional society for nearly everything nowadays, and it's great if you join it, great if you put it on your resume, but what are you doing for active participation within it? Are you actively attending the networking sessions? Are you actively benefiting from the trainings they offer? Are you following up with members to do more active networking with them? And then are you listing that on your resume as well? There are so many resources available through these professional societies. And if you're going into a certain field, that's something I would definitely want to see on your resume. If I were a hiring manager and thinking about hiring someone that was making a pivot. And I think showcasing this on the top part of your resume is really key as well, because if you bury it at the bottom, they're still seeing you as what you used to do. And it's your job really to market your materials so they see you as being capable of doing what you're pivoting towards. I think networking is really, really helpful and can help you. But think about some of the fastest, cheapest, and most effective ways to really gain some of those things we're talking about without maybe necessarily going back to school. Or if you did go back to school, Maybe you list that degree at the top of your resume, but you put some of your other ones at the bottom. It's all about prioritizing what you're aiming towards. Um, I also love certificate programs for this reason. What are some of the other things you've seen for this, Murray? Yeah, so when you're making the transition, you just want to be clear as to the role your current work plays in getting your future work. So, for instance, if you're going towards project management and you've been in engineering, is that engineering role really going to be of huge benefit for you in project management? 
then if so, you want to make sure that you don't look too much like a recent grad because that engineering is going to differentiate you and make you look good in that role. If you're going for a project management position where maybe your engineering experience isn't as relevant, then you would really want to emphasize your new training in project management and maybe kind of pull things out from the engineering world and and share them as project management first. What I see oftentimes is people are making a pivot, but they overestimate that pivot and they de-emphasize too much their current experience because they think they're making this huge pivot. So you really want to be thoughtful about that because when you make yourself look like a recent grad, that could be good if that's how you want to position yourself, but it also could be negative if you want to kind of stay at your same earning level or leverage your experience to get to that next role, then you, you're you thinking about making yourself look experienced and leveraging that versus looking like a recent grad. You really have a lot of freedom and flexibility, which is great, but it does mean you've got to sit down and think about what is the strategy here and how do I want to position myself and how does my current or former experience play into positioning me for this role? I love that. And I would challenge anyone that's thinking about pivoting or is going through that themselves right now to look at every single bullet on your resume for past work and see if it's relevant to what you're pivoting towards. And if it's not, can you come up with ones that are? Because oftentimes, once you've been in the workforce for a number of years, all of us have cross-functional projects, things we're dealing with. We pitch in to cover uh, a medical leave. There's just so many different things that come up throughout the course of your career If you switch those bullets on your resume to only focus on the ones that may be relevant to project management, you're really going to stand out versus just copying and pasting your old one and adding in a couple new training courses. Right. Yeah. And you may not have to try as hard as you think you do. (laughs) I think sometimes people think it's a huge pivot and it really isn't. I agree completely. And I guess the only other thing I'd add is make sure you continue to do that. Usually once you pivot, maybe you'll be in that job forever, but more than likely you may be looking to grow in another one, two, three, or or four years. So make sure you continue to keep your materials updated accordingly and that you keep track of all of the things you're learning on your new job as well so that you can weave those in um, when you're looking to move up next. Yeah. Yeah, and that pivot can be intimidating, so try not to make it harder than it needs to be. Find the places to connect the dots, and if it is a big pivot, think about if there's a step in the middle that you could take so that it isn't such a big pivot, because big pivots are going to be challenging, and, and finding that step in the middle can be helpful. Absolutely. Temp work can sometimes be a great way to do that, or even just switching companies and being within that industry, too, um, can be a good middle ground as you do that. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit, because we know that when people are job searching, and especially when they're pivoting, that networking is so critical. And you wrote to me, and you had this term of two-way networking. Tell us a little bit about two-way networking. Yeah, so I think it's really listening and empathizing and asking what you can do for the network connection you're reaching out to. 
it's easy to have conversations with folks. Your neighbor introduces you to someone and says, hey, they're in the field you're looking to get into. And they share, you know, 10 or 15 minutes of their time with you to tell you about their company, et cetera. And you ask all the questions or you provide all the information because, I mean, you're looking for a job. But I think the key thing about really being successful with networking is making it a two-way street. And they may say no the first few times. Is there anything I can do for you? Oh, no, no, I'm good. Just, you know, stay in touch. Maybe you follow up in a few weeks. Is there anything I can do for you? No, no, I'm good. But maybe on the third ask, they're like, yeah, actually, if you're really, you know, it sounds like you're really interested in HR, for example. Do you want to take a look at this job ad I have out there? I'm not getting a lot of responses on it. Do you have any input for me that may help us increase our volume of candidates? take a look at it and give them a a solid answer and give them a recommendation and follow through on it if they take you up on that opportunity to do so. I think another way to do that is to really stay connected and keep them updated on the progress or any follow-up conversations. A lot of the networking conversations that I've had or that job seekers have, they'll introduce you to someone else. So then you talk to that person and then they introduce you to someone else. But did you ever follow up with the original person who initiated that contact, I think continuing to do that, sending them handwritten thank you notes, handwritten updated thank yous, reaching out on LinkedIn, liking their content on LinkedIn, like what else are you doing to engage with them and really keep that relationship going as a two-way street, I think that can really help with networking. Um, One thing I really liked was the book by Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. A lot of that book really gets to sales and like how to make people like you. And most of it is, you know, talk about the other person, get them to talk about themselves, their shared interests. So I think if you're going into a really important networking meeting, doing your due diligence to learn a little bit about their background, learn about some of their interests and make it more of an authentic relationship that can really help with your networking efforts. Yeah. That authentic relationship is this place to start, right? And that's what things people often forget is start with those people you already have that authentic relationship with. And then it can be a lot easier to build that authentic relationship with people that those people introduce you to. And of course, you're going to have some cold reach outs. But if those can be less of your networking, then it will be a little bit more comfortable. I don't know how you feel about that approach. Yes, absolutely. And I think a great way to do it is if you're engaging in professional societies or networking groups and you're doing follow-ups from those, maybe you already had a shared interest or a shared platform, that can be a far better way than just a cold outreach. And definitely if there's an introduction, I think it can be much more effective. And so those are great ways to build your network and It's a slow process. I think right now a lot of the stats are 80% of jobs are filled by networking. And that's really tough because what you're not really seeing behind the scenes is those networks can take months and years to develop. And so you can't really speed along an authentic relationship. You can just be real and be kind and be empathetic and see if there's ever anything you can do to help them and really, really practice active listening to hear their stress points, to hear their trigger points, because 
those are all really good things to take into your job interviews with you. Maybe you don't interview at their company, but you hear recurring themes over and over again from some of these folks on what their needs are. And you can speak to some of those in a job interview. And more than likely, that hiring manager is facing the same challenges. Yes. Yeah, and and making those conversations and connective points are so important. Well, Nikki, tell people how they can connect with you, how they can continue to learn from you here. Where, Where can they find you? Sure. Thank you so much for having me on today. I just love your podcast and all of the guests you've been having on this year. It's just wonderful. If folks would like to find me, they can find me on my website at rybirdgroup.com, or I'm also very active on LinkedIn. I would love to connect with anyone that sends a connection request and says that they heard me on here today. I so appreciate being able to chat with you today, Marie. Yeah, Nikki, and it's N-I-K-K-I. And then last name is R-Y-B-E-R-G? Yes, that's correct. All right. So ryberggroup.com, and you can connect with Nikki on LinkedIn as well. Well, thank you so much, Nikki. We enjoyed talking with you. And if you're listening here on Career Confidant, we're going to say goodbye to Nikki. But we'll be back in just a few minutes with some more job search info for you. So we'll see you right back here again on the Career Confidant in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Tune in each week for the Labenthal Report with hosts Dominic Tavella and Michael Hartzman. The Labenthal Report keeps you in tune with market conditions, investment opportunities, and outlooks based on the stories and headlines to keep you in touch with your financial success. Are you picking the right financial path? Find out by listening to The Labenthal Report live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You are tuned into The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. 
If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to Career Confidant, and today we were talking with Nikki Ryberg. Nikki Ryberg, R-Y-B-E-R-G, at the Ryberg Group, and she was sharing about job search tips for you, tips and tricks. And this is a challenge. You know, we're seeing more people on both ends of the spectrum feeling like they're facing age discrimination, those over 45, and that number seems to creep down more every year really feeling that pinch of if they want to make a transition, especially they they get stuck, they feel like they're too old, they're not getting traction. And those on the younger end of the age spectrum, feeling like there's nowhere to move up, there's nowhere to go, they're stuck in those low-paying, dead-end jobs that, uh, that they can't get out of. And Nikki shared some great ideas for folks on both ends of those spectrum to market themselves better on their resume, their LinkedIn profile, and to think about how they connect differently with their their messaging. And really, it's all about staying as relevant as possible and sticking to, let's say, the point. So instead of talking about the number of years of experience that you have or don't have, tell me what you do have and what you have done that relates to the points that the, that the hiring manager is looking for. Tell those stories that are relevant to the job description and really no more or no less. And for those of you who have lots of experience, that's going to mean pairing that information down to only share what is relevant and to not overdo it, to not overweight your resume with things that, hey, they need to know I can do this too. Well, then they will figure that out in an interview or maybe even after you're on the job. In the resume, you want to stay relevant and connected to what is being asked for in that job and in similar jobs if you've got some job announcements that aren't that great in terms of content. You want to stay focused in on what you can do. Uh, maybe, I don't know, a couple years ago now, I was talking to a woman who worked in higher education and she said, I just want another higher education job and I keep getting turned down and you know, I've done all these things. It's like, well, what are they asking you to do? What jobs are you applying to? Because they don't really want to see that you've done all these things because that's not what they're looking for someone to do. And it brings up all the, the challenges in someone's mind when they see that you're going to be bored, you're going to be too expensive, and you're going to be too bossy if I'm you know, younger or less experienced than you are. They don't need to see everything. They need to see what shows you can do that job that you're looking for. If you're on the younger end of the spectrum, that's going to be, you know, maybe even a spreading out a further detail of the areas that you do have experience in where it relates to the job. Digging in and telling a longer story about a class project or an internship program. You might have an internship that was four months that takes up half of your resume because you really want to share the story of everything you did there that is relevant to this current or future job that you're applying to. And pulling out those details and telling the stories is the only way to show those qualifications, to connect the dots, to compete against people that do have those other experiences. And then you want to highlight your strengths that 
speak to that specific goal that you're applying to and be able to call those out, speak to them and tell stories that demonstrate them, not just listing them in a skills area on your resume. When you're making some of these types of pivots, it's really important to stay focused and we can have a tendency to get frustrated um, the, you know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. I just saw that today. And also want to be thinking about all of us in job search right now, even if you're employed, but you're, you feel underemployed, you feel, you know, tamped down. Job search is a struggle. Um, dealing with this with someone who's close to me right now, that it sucks the life from you because you were waiting for other people to help you get where you want to go, right? You don't have control over getting that next job. You don't. And most people, some of us more than others, don't like not being in control. We don't like not controlling our own destiny. But when you are in job search, you just don't. You can control the things that you can control, how many jobs you apply to, the networking conversations that you have, the research that you do, maybe training programs that you take to keep yourself busy and fill those gaps, learn new skills. So focus on those things you do have control over and mark them off, keep track, count those successes. They are successes, even though they aren't a job. It is a success when you complete an online course. It is a success when you have a networking meeting. It's a success when you apply to a job that's a good fit and you take the time to tailor your application to it. Count those successes, keep track of them so that you can easily connect with your progress even when you don't have that end result of a job because you don't have control over that and you can drive yourself crazy. Then I like to adopt my metaphor of the surfer, right? We are riding the waves and we are doing what we need to do to stay on the surfboard, right? There's skill involved in that. There's things that we have to do to ride the wave. It's not a a passive process by any means, but we also can't control too much or we crash, right? So we've got to find that balance of doing the things we can do to control the direction that we're going and giving up control so that we can ride the wave and be successful and find that point, that balance point, where it's that art, truly that artful skill. And it's hard for us to find when we're in job search and we probably wobble a lot, right? You feel like, oh, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm focusing on what I can control. And then you have an interview. You're really excited about that job. And you start to wobble because you're thinking, oh, I I need that job. I want that job. It's a perfect job. It's a dangerous place to be. Because when we give up our, you know, when we we give up too much of our emotional power there, um, setting ourselves up for a little bit of a fall. fall. We've got to find that balance of being excited and interested while still moving forward and doing the things that we can control, tracking those successes that we have control over. 
And Nikki talked a lot about networking and really find, I would say maybe finding the joy in networking. How can you change your mindset around networking to find the joy, to find the connection, to find ways that let you do it joyfully? Whether that's connecting with people you already know because that's safer and more fun and you can have a real deep conversation or for some people it might be meeting new people and enjoying that and learning about other people. No matter if you're talking to someone you've known for years or you just just met today, Nikki brought up that you know age-old book, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. All about in the other person, which for those of us who are introverts makes it a heck of a lot easier because I can ask great questions and I can be interested in that other person, especially if I find some great questions that take it deeper than just that surface talk. Because for an introvert, that's painful. I've got to find those questions that take it a little bit deeper where we can find the connection points whether that's about the industry or the job or what they love to do, what they're really enjoying that they're working on now, something that takes it just a little bit deeper. It'll be an enjoyable conversation. I'll learn about the other person and they'll walk away having really enjoyed talking to me, even if I don't have to say that much. I need to be prepared to say a few key things about myself, to have a few memorable sound bites. So they know what I do and who I am and what I want to do. But I don't need to be prepared for a monologue. You know, those elevator pitches sometimes can creep into monologue uh, length. And I don't need that. I need a few short sound bites. And then five or so powerful questions that will really help me keep the conversation going. Stay engaged in interested in that other person and then a nice close it was so nice to meet you i'd love to get your business card so i can follow up and then i'm going to follow up especially if we did enjoy the conversation and there's something that they could add maybe we want to have another conversation but even if we aren't going to touch base again i can follow up have the niceties if it was so nice to meet you and move into whatever that next step is for my job search. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, just walk through the top five steps to get your job search moving, get your job search launched, and tell you about a resource, especially if you're on Clubhouse. We've got a new resource for you just focused on job search. So stay, stay tuned. I'll give you the five steps to launch your job search and a little bit of a bonus if you want to get some more in-depth tips on this topic. We'll see you here back in the Career Confidant in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network 
You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Small businesses are in trouble and it didn't just start with COVID-19. From the recession several years ago to the revolution of e-commerce giants more recently, small businesses are getting hit hard and need to come back. Tune in to Business Buzz and Business Watch. It's two shows in one, hosted by Frank Hellring. We'll help your small business bounce back with best practices, guest experts, and resources that you can use to strengthen your small business. Listen Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. tuned into the career confidant with marie zimanoff if you have a question or comment for marie or her guest today please call 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 you may also send an email to marie at a strategic advantage.com now back to the career confidant all right. Hello and welcome back to the Career Confidant. And we were going to give you five tips, five steps to launch your job search. Or maybe if you're struggling and you're floundering, start back at step one. Make sure you got this down and it will speed up your search. So first step is focus. Now, many people think they've conquered this step when really they are still struggling here. So if you find yourself looking at lots of different types of jobs and thinking, oh, I could apply to that. Oh, I could apply to that. Oh, wait, I could apply to that. You lack focus. Go back. Figure out what type of work do you want to do? What roles are you targeting? And get that down to two or three main types of roles. So project management and then maybe, you know, product engineer. That's two roles. That's pretty good. You need to focus in there. Then what industries are you focused on? If you are in accounting and you could work in any industry, how are you going to define the types of companies that you're targeting? Sometimes it's not industry. Sometimes it's size or type. You know, Maybe you want to work for an agency versus an actual company. But you need some defining characteristics of the types of companies you'd like to work for. And industry is usually an easy one. Then you need the idea of why. What is important to you in a job? This is your work values. What do you need out of a job? What is important to you in that company? Do you want independent work? Do you want team-based work? 
Because when you know this why, you'll be able to connect to companies faster. Not that everyone is going to align directly to your whys, but you'll be able to find the areas of that company that do align with yours and speak to them and make a connection. Or to say, you know, there's just too much here that that doesn't fit. It's not a good fit. And that's great. That discernment will help you not be so overwhelmed and all over the place when you're applying to jobs and when you're interviewing and it will make it easier even if you feel like hey I might limit some things yes you will that's the point that's good so we want to be able to say what where and why when we can define those things it makes it a lot easier for us to move through the job search process. Then, out of that focus, step two is creating your target list. And we've done a lot of shows on, you know, how to create your target list. It's, you know, companies to work for in your area. Even though we can work remotely now, a lot of companies are still hiring for hybrid, which means they still want someone local, even if it's going to be part-time at your house or whatever it might be. So you might go in a geography. You might go for the top 20 companies to work for in your area. I would start with states or regions. You can go to, you know, the top 200 companies to work for in the nation, but those are going to have more competition. Everybody can find that list, right? It's not a bad place, but it may not be the top place to go. You're looking at companies in your industry. You're looking at companies that hire people like you, that currently employ people like you. So you see your colleagues, your former colleagues. Where are they now? That's a great place to go for your target list. And you want to have a list that's fluid. So you're going to come up with 10, 15, 20 to start with. And then you'll continue it to add to it as you see job announcements, as you see things. And you'll continue to take companies off as you learn more about them. Maybe they're not a good fit. I always keep even those companies that we've kind of quote unquote taken off at the bottom of a spreadsheet because it makes it easier for me to not spin my wheels and do duplicate work when I've already researched that company. I don't need to research that company again, right? So you're thinking about that list and you create that list. That is step two. Then step three is that you start specifically, systematically networking toward those companies. So this is going to be some research by you of who do you know that knows someone or even knows someone who knows someone that works in your target companies or and or both, all of the above. How can you reach out cold to some people that work there? Maybe using LinkedIn, best to have an introduction, but I can reach out cold. Hey, I saw you work at this company. I'm really excited about learning more about this industry. I look forward to following you and learning from your posts. If there's anything else you think I could follow, please let me know. You don't have to open it to ask for a conversation. In fact, I would recommend that you don't. You follow, you comment, you share with them. And then if they have some kind of connection points with you, they respond, etc. You ask for that 
meeting to chat. If you're in an industry that's more open to it, you can ask faster. Just have to kind of feel it out. But you are looking for opportunities to connect with people at those target companies. You could volunteer. You could connect with them on social media. You could follow them on social media. You could join any kind of employer groups that they're having. Do they have a careers page? Are they having careers events? You really just want to look for any opportunity to connect to that target company best through people. And then if the people piece of it's not happening, you go through any other channel that you can use to connect with people there in a cold way. After you're making those connections and you're starting to get into your target companies, then you take it a step deeper. So now you've met some people at your target companies. Now you're looking for introductions to hiring managers. Now people trust you. They've been in communication with you for a while. Are you getting the point that this isn't a fast thing? Huh? <laughs> you can apply online too. You don't want to miss those opportunities. So you've got your target company list. You're following the company. You see when they post a job and you can apply online to open positions but there's not going to be a fast lane. You've got to work the system. Network, connecting, being focused on your target companies, being open and researching new target companies all the time too, but finding those ways to connect with your target company because that is what is going to pull you in is that targeted search. Being aware when they've posted an open job, networking so that you can be the referral into that open job that is really your goal so that fifth step is being prepared for the interview and nikki and i didn't get to talk to that too much today we've got some great shows on interviewing when you get that call and you get that interview you don't want to have wasted all of your efforts up until that point you want to be prepared you want to have your stories together you want to have practiced them. I always say about five positive stories, you know, your accomplishments, the great project, and then two or three negative stories. That time things didn't work out, the time you argued with your boss, or you know you didn't, didn't get along with someone. You've got to have those negative stories too, because if you haven't practiced them, things that you don't want to say will come out of your mouth, and, and we don't want that. So practice them, be ready for the positive stories and the negative stories. And it really isn't rocket science. You've got the job announcement. You can find similar job announcements. Be ready to tell stories that demonstrate the skills they're looking for in those jobs, as well as the stories that talk about how you work. So tell us about your best job. Tell us about your favorite team. They're going to ask those types of questions. And then, of course, your worst job and their failures because they want to see how you handle it when things don't work out. That's the fit type of questions. Are you going to be a good fit here? And of course, part of your job search, continuing to, ch to check in here on Career Confidant. And then we've got another opportunity for you actually just starting here momentarily right after this show. Jump on Clubhouse. We've got a room in Clubhouse on Monday nights starting at 7 p.m. Eastern time, which is right after this show. And we're going to be talking about job search secrets for busy job seekers because we know a lot of you are job seeking while you're employed. 
So jump on and learn some of the tips that will help you be more effective. But we will see you right back here again next week on the Career Confidant. And hopefully we'll see you over on Clubhouse at Career Leaders. We'll see you right back here again next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then.